Hey, how's it going? Oh, pretty well. I'm tired. It's been a long day. Classic, classic Chris. Tired after a long day of hard work. Yeah, that. It, uh, yeah, well, tired. Tired after a, a long day, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I don't know what it is. Just, um, yeah, I'm just ready to go to sleep, and it's eight at night. Yeah. Yeah, uh, man, you got to get that sleep. Yeah, glorious life of a late twenty-something. <laughs> uh, I, I guess dive right into this, tying into uh, to me being tired here, kind of. Uh, we we have some news. Yeah, this is uh, unfortunately going to be the last season of this show. Right. So we've been uh, for for those of you who are like following along here, we're we've been doing this in seasons of twenty episodes. Kind of thinking that like this gives us like an opportunity every you know about every half a year to evaluate is this something that we uh, still like feel like we we want to do and have time to do and it's useful for us to do, and so we're coming up on that here. Uh, with with episode seventy, and um, yeah, we've just we've we've been talking about this and kind of landed on uh, like we're gonna we're we're gonna shut down the show. Yeah, uh, we've talked about a lot of things over the past two years, and we've had a lot of fun doing the show. Has it really been two years, man? It really has. We That's started in crazy. summer of twenty sixteen. Really? Yeah. Oh man, that is kind of unbelievable. Yeah. And we talked about a lot of stuff, and frankly, we think we've said what we want to say about a lot of programming topics, and there will be more stuff that happens in the future that maybe is worth talking about, but uh, yeah. as it is, we're kind of running out of steam and running out of things to talk about. Yeah, and that's exactly it. We're yeah, running out of stuff to talk about. A lot of the early episodes that I know a lot of you appreciated were discussions that Sarush and I had just had ongoing for years. Um and then we we've talked about them for a lot on the podcast and kind of moved on from those discussions to other things and yeah, we're our our episode ideas list is uh is running pretty pretty thin these days. <laughs> it's getting dry down at the bottom <laughs> of the barrel. Um we our seventieth episode may be very special. Uh, we haven't nailed down exactly what's going to happen there, so no announcement yet, but stay tuned. Stay tuned. It could be special. Could be special. So, yeah, so that leaves us with uh, episode 67, which welcome, is this episode. Yes, welcome to episode 67 of Fatal Error. That's right. I'm Sarush. I'm Chris. We haven't so, done that intro in a while. Fun fact, someone actually started listening to the show kind of in the middle Mm-hmm. And they were interested in some of the Swift Evolution topics, and they were not sure which one of us was which. I mean, that's totally reasonable. How would you? How would you know? Yeah, I mean, we used to be really diligent about the Welcome to Fatal Error. I'm Sarush. I'm Chris, but we just sort of dropped off. Yeah, especially earlier this season, around like episode fifty, I think we decided to do a little bit less formal. Um, yeah, more casual. intro, less formal format. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I am Sarush. He is Chris. Um, yes, and we want to talk about a couple things today. Yeah, so we've gotten news out of the way. The next thing was uh, just that I wanted to check in on your Swift Evolution proposal. What's going on there? Yeah, um, if you've been a listener to the show, you'll remember kind of my like ongoing saga with Swift Evolution and trying to get something in. I pitched something that was well-received, which is uh, the function count where, which tells you how many elements in a sequence pass a test. And it's a super useful function. And I pitched it, and there was good reception. And so I kind of asked uh, around, and I said, what's the next step? And they said, the next step is make a write-up a proposal and write a sample implementation so that we can, like, you know, so we can see that this yeah. thing exists and we can, we can actually merge it in. 
I said, right. okay, that makes sense. And I started with the implementation um, just because I knew I could obviously, I could definitely write a proposal, but the implementation I wasn't sure about. Um, and it took me about a month uh, from start to finish. Uh, but I did end up finally getting everything working and everything building, and I added my function, and I added my tests, and I ran my tests, and I verified that my tests are actually doing the thing I thought they were doing. Uh, for a while, they were not being executed, which is always fun. Yeah. Um, biggest thing with unit tests is make sure they're actually executing. Don't get bitten by that. I, I was briefly bit by that earlier today in uh, <laughs> at, on a project at work. Uh, yeah, it's honestly, it's like I think like, for me, the number one rule of, of unit tests is like, is this unit test actually running? That's, I mean, it's up there. In my case, it was pretty obvious because I had written a test that I thought was supposed to fail, and then uh, it didn't fail. And then I was like, wait, what's what's wrong here? Yeah, exactly. That's why they always say red, green, refactor. You need that red step so that you know that the thing fails in the way you expect it to fail. Oh, that's that's one of the reasons, yeah. Yeah, don't skip that red step. No. Yeah, it turned out what was going on with my thing was I was running the tests, but I wasn't recompiling the actual code that the test was running against. And so I was just continually running, or I I hadn't recompiled the test. I was just running the test. So when I, while I thought that I was running the test, I was actually running like an old binary of the tests and my changes to the test were not being uh, executed. So I figured that out. I figured out a couple other things. One thing I want to give a shout out to is uh, Harlan Haskins and uh, Robert Widman, Codify, uh, on Twitter. Um, they gave a talk at the conference in Switzerland, App Builders, and they go into really good detail about exactly what you should do and what the steps are and like how to run tests and how to build everything. That was actually very helpful. Um, I kind of cool. like set aside a Saturday to do it. And uh, there was that, a lot of waiting around for compiling and stuff. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Is there is there a link to that on online that we can put in the show notes? Yeah, they they um, did the uh, they made the videos really quickly. So yeah, those videos are okay. Already awesome. Up. I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Thanks. And oh, one other thing I learned is remember when we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, and I read in Ole Begman's blog that you're supposed to always compile a deep uh, sorry a release build instead of a debug build uh i vaguely remember that yeah yeah and they say like the release build is way faster because the optimizations are different so yeah. I, I tried a release build just to see like oh okay, like how bad could it really be like let me just do it or sorry i tried a debug build the slow one mm-hmm. just like how bad could this honestly be like let me just run it and see what happens it was three hours and 20 minutes that's pretty bad. Well, for comparison, how long is a debug build or a release build? Uh, about 40. Okay, from, from, yeah. From clean, I think. 20 or 40, I can't remember which. But yeah, it's it's long, but it's it's not like leave, go to the movies, come back, and it's still not finished compiling long. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah, so once I got all that stuff working, I kind of repurposed the filter tests. Because, you know, count, count where is a lot like filter, except instead of testing against some output array, you're just testing against some output count. Right. And so I just repurposed all those tests and uh, opened up the pull request for both the implementation and the proposal itself. So the implementation goes into the Apple slash Swift repo, and then the um, proposal goes into the Apple slash Swift evolution repo. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, when I pushed the button, I was, like, very excited. I was like, okay, like, I can't wait to, like, let's do it. I'm ready. 
And of course, nothing's happened since this was like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, nothing's well, happened. Go ahead. Everyone's busy getting uh, Swift 4.2 out the door now, right? Yeah. Although I'm not really clear what Swift 4.2 is. I didn't know there was going to be another point release of Swift 4. I thought we were going straight to Swift 5. I think they're, um, it sounds like they're at least aiming to get some hashable uh, changes in for Swift 4.2. I was listening to uh, Swift Unwrapped earlier today at a new episode about that. Okay, cool. So it's not like Swift 3.2 where it's like a compatibility layer for the next version of Swift. I mean, I'm not sure about I'm not sure about that. I yeah. know this one thing about the release. I don't know what else is is supposed to be in the release. Yeah. We'll have to look into that. Yeah, Swift 4.2. So, but yeah, they're all busy with dub-dub stuff and 4.2 stuff. Um, oh, right. That's coming up. Yeah, also dub-dub is coming Soon. up. Soon. That's almost next, uh, practically. Yeah, it's in about a month. Yeah. As this releases, it will be like a month from when this right. episode comes out. Yeah. Right. So I opened these two PRs and I would kind of like started thinking like, actually, probably nothing's going to happen today, is it? Because, you know, there's a process to these things and they have their own work that they need to do and they can't automatically, like they can't immediately deal with the stuff that I, you know, send them. So I kind of looked around at some other PRs that were very similar to mine. So I looked at um, Chris Idoff did a PR for Reduce Into, which is like a version of Reduce that's in out. And Hmm. that took like six or eight weeks to go from proposal to merged. So I've kind of just, you know, taken a chill pill and I've, you know, accepted that this will take some time Yeah, and people will get to it when it gets, when they get to it. Chris Latner commented in my pitch thread and said that he thought it was a uh, good proposal that fills like an obviously empty spot in um, the standard library. So I like, I think it's going to go through. Uh, it's just a matter of like it being a waiting game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the right approach. Like, what what can you do here? Just uh, wait and see. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. All right. Um, I remember when when we talked about this before, you had run into a a problem where your implementations seemed to have some side effect or or like expose some dependency on like a, some implementation detail elsewhere in the standard library or in the tests. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, so that was a different change that I was trying to make. I was oh, trying okay. to optimize drop last. Oh, that's right. You were trying to always have a lazy drop last, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so I may actually take another crack at that now that I have a little bit more experience with this stuff. Okay. But um, no, that was a different set of things. And what ended up happening with that was when I ran those tests, like the test for drop last succeeded, but the other tests elsewhere in the code failed. Right. And it yeah. wasn't really clear why they were failing, which actually that happened here too, um, hmm, which was pretty really? cool. This was a purely additive change though, right? Yeah. So it's a really interesting thing that broke. Yeah. There's a, there's a set of tests for the diagnostics that come out and diagnostic is a fancy word for like warning or error. So anytime you see a warning or an error in, Xcode, uh, the Swift team calls that a diagnostic. And in this particular case, there was one diagnostic that was written such that if you tried to take like the count of an array and call it as though it were a function, right, it's a property. So you're not supposed to put parentheses after it. Right. Okay. But if you tried to call it like a function, the old error message was really inscrutable. So they added an extra diagnostic and they like wrote some code to have a better diagnostic that said like, Hey, you can't call a method of type int. 
Oh, you can't call an object of type int because calling right. is like what you do with the parentheses, and int is what count evaluates doing. You can't call an int basically, right? Okay, uh, in the way that you can call a function. And so what happened here is that now because you can call count, because count is now actually a function that has a oh. parameter label called where, the new error is you know it's the wrong number of parameters for your function, which that's a correct error. Yeah, but. It's not necessarily uh, – it's not what the test was expecting, and so that had to be fixed. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, so that wasn't too scary. Um, definitely the drop last thing was a lot weirder. I, yeah, I this... still don't know how to fix those things. I'll take another stab at it, but it'll probably hmm. be a while before I do. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, this sounds like at least something that it's fairly clear what's going on. Yeah, yeah, De- definitely. It's like I I was really nervous about it at first because I was like, ah, oh, is this even my fault? Like, I what I don't I didn't touch anything in diagnostics, and I once I read it, I was like, oh, I do I do see what's happening here, and right. this is correct or whatever. Yeah, yeah, cool. So yeah, so that's what's up with that. Anything else is interesting that happened with that? Not really. Uh, I hope it gets merged in. It would be nice to have a little bit of a, a tiny little finger in the pie of Swift. Yeah, that would be awesome. Nice, like, point of pride. Yeah, for sure. So another thing that I think we wanted to talk about today, if we're, I don't know, you have anything else on, on that? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm Okay. Good. So another thing that we thought we would cover today uh, is um, uh, the, this blog post from uh, Dave DeLong entitled, You Should Give That Presentation. Uh, and I thus far have only, um, like have skimmed this blog post or just shared it with me right before we recorded, but, uh, it's something that really resonates with me. Like we've talked to think a couple times before about giving presentations, giving talks and, uh, and writing blog posts. Right. And something I've expressed that I'm sure you remember Sarush is like, I don't really know what, what should I give a talk about? What do I know enough to give a talk about? Right. And, and here like paragraph three, Dave is like, you may question whether or not you know, in quotes, enough to give a presentation. <laughs> so this seems like something that really would like really resonates with me. Do you want to give, uh, do you, do you want to try to give me the, uh, to, to pitch me this article? Yeah, I would. Um, I just thought it was a very nicely written, nicely expressed blog post about, this thing that a lot of people are nervous about. And I think he really lays out like why you should, what kind of talk you can give, why you would be the best person to give that talk. And, and I, I just really appreciated the way that he broke it down and kind of, you know, pushed people and said, Hey, like you should do this thing. And then at the end, he also makes an offer of if you are preparing to give your first presentation, uh, he's down to help. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so like the three different, like, uh, sort of types of, uh, talks that he talks about are one is sort of technical presentations where you're just talking about either a new API or trying to explain something or break it down, or you've you know released a new um, library or something like that. And he kind of breaks that down as like that's like the kind of bread and butter of a thing. And you can always give that talk because you know it's just technical, it's useful for everybody, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know you just want to teach people some technical thing. Which I think I think that's a really good baseline for like yeah when when we're like starting out like technical might be the best thing that we can do just because we've dug so deep into this particular API or how this thing works or how it 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 behaves around the edges and stuff like that that we have some particular knowledge that other people might want to know mm-hmm. which is which is yeah I think that's a really great place to start with like a uh, like a type of presentation that you might want to give and then the second one he talks about is like the kind of he calls it the inspirational presentation. 
which is it's not really about the code per se, but it's about taking you and saying, hey, like, you know, you can do this thing, like like giving you the motivation and the uh, inspiration to kind of yeah. make a big change in your life perhaps or like do something that you maybe weren't so sure about before. Um, I remember when uh, back in 2012, I went to Second Conf, which is in Chicago. Do you remember this conference, Chris? No, I don't. Uh, second Conf was this pretty good conference. It's like Chicago is like a second city, so it's the Second Conf after, I guess, Dub Dub. And it ran for four years, uh, like so many conferences do. And I think 2012 yeah. or 2013 was the last year. And I remember kind of coming back from that and just feeling so energized and feeling so like I could kind of take on the world. Like you, you, you talk, you hear from all these people who like have done these things that you want to do. They've started businesses or they've made products that you are very impressed by or that you're very, um, that you, yeah. you know, look up to. Yeah. And you're like, man, maybe I could do this. Maybe I have the chops to, to go and follow in the footsteps of these people. Yeah. And, um, I don't think I've actually ever said this publicly, but second Conf 2013 convinced me to quit my job. Oh, really? Yeah. I had a job. I wasn't very happy there. And I was kind of suffering through a bunch of stuff and a bunch of changes. And it kind of made me realize, like, you know, you don't have to put up with this. Like, you can do something different, something better. And uh, that kind of motivational presentation, that that kind of nice feeling that you get after a conference of just, like, you know, I got a cumulative nine hours of sleep this whole weekend. <laughs> but... Like, I just feel like a million bucks and I feel like I could take on the world. I think there's like so much yeah. value there. This is one thing. So, uh, well, just go back to you for a second. Um, so is 2013 then when you, like, when you started doing consulting? No, I actually switched from one startup to another startup. Okay. At that point, yeah. Huh. It was just more about not feeling valued at the startup that I was at. Yeah, totally. finding a place that I uh, fit a little better. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I think that like there are definitely uh, some talks like this at uh, at Strange Loop too. Uh, this is a conference that I've gone to the last couple of years and that I've really enjoyed. Like there are some really great technical presentations and some good uh, like inspirational presentations, and it's a really nice mix of like you know hard technical information, um, interesting stuff that like I'm probably not gonna. Uh, you know, isn't immediately relevant to like a programming language that I'm working in, but is interesting to think about or has like interesting ideas to take away and uh, talks that are more, right, more, more inspirational, more, more motivational, more uh, sort of, you know, this is, um, what's the right, like, what, what, how, how do we say this exactly, right? Like there's, there's this whole world and uh, that you're, you're in one part of it and um, you can like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's it's stimulating and encouraging. Yeah, exactly. I literally opened dictionary and went to the thesaurus mode and typed in inspiration. So, <laughs> I, but you know, that's also I how I write my say, code and how I write my blog posts. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, please, in this in this time of need, do not add me. Mm, fair point. Okay. Yeah. No, but yeah. it is it is really just like it changes how you see things. It, it it provides a new perspective and and changes your feeling towards stuff right makes makes the world feel feel like a little bit bigger yeah yeah there's this really nice distinction Um, amazon is telling me that earth is the whatever planet from the sun anyway (laughs) third third planet from the sun the third rock from the don't know why but 
classic Amazon robot. There's this really cool distinction that I've always wanted to write about on my blog, but I've never I've never quite nailed down what the post is about, so I haven't had a chance to flesh out what that post is. Um, but it's this distinction between exploration versus exploitation. Um, and hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. It's basically this idea of there are some things that you know have some value, right? Let's say 10 points of value. And you can continue to do them as much as you want, and you always get 10 points of value. But you also mm-hmm. need to that, – and that's the exploitation. You're, you're taking the thing that you know, and you're exploiting it to like generate that value. But you also need to kind of explore as well because there may be other skills, other places, other situations where you could do the same thing and generate more value or less value or do a different thing and generate more value or less value. And that value function can be anything. It can be how much fun do I have scuba diving versus how much money do I make versus it could be like how much do I enjoy the books that I read. It could be any you know value that you're trying to maximize. Hmm. And you have to find a balance between exploration and exploitation because if you do too much exploitation, then you'll never find the global maxima. Right. And if you do too much exploration, you'll never actually achieve that maxima. Maximum. Yeah. Oh, so just Googling exploration versus exploitation here. Uh, I hadn't heard this before. This is really interesting. Uh, I have found a, a, a blog about productivity strategies. It says... Ooh. Yeah, right. Exploitation requires our complete concentration to do better what we are doing. Uh, And then exploration allows us to get away from our current reality, visit other realities, and find new horizons. This is the origin of innovation. So That's how I see a lot of these conference talks is, yeah, I can sit here and jam my fingers into, into the keyboard and make things pop up in Xcode, but at some point I need to get out there and see, am I jamming the right things? into Xcode? Like, am I I typing the right words or should I be typing different words? And I think that that's one of those things that like those motivational, those inspirational talks at conferences can really give you. And sometimes it's not the talks. Also, sometimes it's the, you know, hallway conversations or whatever it is, but it's that Mm -hmm. spirit of inspiration. Yeah. 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 If you've ever heard of the multi-armed bandit, which is like a better way to A-B test. Yeah. This is also exploration versus exploitation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have to find that balance for yourself, and I find that going to conferences periodically can give you some of that exploration that you're that you need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So sort of like to kind of keep going with this blog post. The last thing that Dave talks about is he says there's a fun, or more fundamental type of presentation that underpins both of the other kinds, both the technical and the inspirational, which is the experiential one. And the experiential talks are the ones that, uh, as he puts it, everyone's qualified to give. So it doesn't matter who you are. You have experiences, and you know. And hmm. I, I talk to people, and I talk to friends, uh, some friends who like listen to the show and probably can hear this now. Who they tell me stories, and and they're completely bonkers. And I'm like, you know, other like this is something that other people would love to hear about. Whether it's you know their relationship with their boss, or whether it's like a you know a thing that they went through with their code base, or whether it's like some new approach that you're trying out, all this all this stuff that, you know, you might think that you're the only person out there, like, who, or you might think you're just somebody who's doing this thing that everybody's doing, but some of these stories that I hear are just, you know, completely, totally nuts, mm-hmm. and, you know, deserve to be shared on a stage and deserve to kind of have that voice be put out there. Cool. 
Yeah, I guess yeah. I hadn't um, thinking about like possible talks to give or like I, I like obviously or um, maybe not obviously, but I've tended to gravitate toward the technical talks and hadn't even really thought that much about the sort of experiential um, genre of talks. But that's totally a thing now that I think about it and totally like a kind of talk that I have enjoyed before. Yeah, for sure. And so this is definitely something to something for me to think about. Uh, I, f- I feel like, yeah, if I wanted to give a talk, it may well be something more like this. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. And hmm. like, you know, this is good food for thought. Yeah. Thanks. Dave. Uh, you like led a, like just give you one example. Like you led a redesign uh, or a rewrite actually of the New York times app. Um, and you oversaw that for almost a year. And, who boy yeah i did yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you learn there and like you know they they say never never do a rewrite and that's probably true but having done that at scale and at like a company and at, on an app that has millions of users like there are things that you learn that nobody else knows you that's know that's probably true yeah and there are things both like technical and like cultural and team related, there are things related to do the, to doing this at a big company versus doing a rewrite at a small company. If you're going to do that, there are um, uh, things like things I learned about myself. Like looking back on that experience, there are definitely things that I could have handled uh, better from a like team from a like technical leadership point of view too. Yeah, I should think about that, especially with the like distance of that being uh, what about a year ago in my life right. now. Yeah. And I also, I want to add that, like, um, I think that a lot of this stuff is cyclical as well. Uh, like, back when Second Conf was still around, almost every conference, I feel like, was more focused on the softer side of things. The more uh, emotional talks, the more experiential talks, the more, um, mm-hmm. basically, less technical. Like, there was almost never any code on stage at these um, at these places. And I feel like that pendulum has definitely swung around the other way. And now there are conferences where, like, almost every talk is, like, code on on the slides, teaching you how to write code, teaching you how to think about things like, let's say, architecture or structuring code or whatever. That, yeah. I mean, it didn't used to be like that. Like, the first Coco Love, there was one talk that had code on the slides, and it was a designer, and it was CSS. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's uh, insane. Yeah. Um, but now, like, you, you'll see, like, you know, TriSwift... Uh, let's say Japan has tons of code talks. They're very, very code heavy. So these things will also kind of ebb and flow. So if you feel more comfortable with technical, now might be a good time to dive in. If you feel more comfortable with sort of the the more motivational type or the more emotional type of talk, then maybe something where you can like, kind of help swing the pendulum back the other way. Um, I, somebody was talking to me. They were like, they want to start a new conference and they want to focus it around feelings and around um, emotions and stuff. That could uh, be really good, rather than focusing it on code. Yeah. And I think that's just you know part of this sort of pendulum. Yeah, I was gonna say like if we're in a a part of the pendulum now where like everything is all technical talks, that seems like a good space to um, you know maybe not to try to, like to compete with more technical talks, but to throw in a like a talk from the other end of the from the other side of the pendulum, right? Yeah, absolutely. Talk about what nobody else is talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dave kind of closed out his um, blog post by saying that he uh, has an open offer for anybody who wants help with their first presentation. Um, I just want to say uh, I'm actually open to the exact same thing. If you are listening to this and you want to give your first talk uh, and you're a little nervous, um, hit me up. 
uh, or hit both of us up. I think Chris would also be happy to help. Yeah, absolutely. Hit us up and we'd be down to to help and to talk you through the conversation, look through slides, and get you get you to a more confident point. So yeah, definitely know stuff about that. Yeah, I think we're yeah both of us definitely are open to to doing that. Yeah, for sure. You got any conferences coming up this the rest of this year, Chris? Uh, no, I I don't have anything planned right now. Um, I guess Strange Loop is probably happening in the fall, right? Uh, yeah, I I assume so. I actually haven't looked at that too much, but I should um should add that to my to do list. September twenty sixth through twenty eighth. Yeah, it's coming. I'm gonna look at that this week. I would love get to stuff give on a talk my calendar. That's Strange Loop. It's such a you know, it's a good place. conference. What a yeah, place. yeah. Man, I'm thinking like, uh, yeah, this has actually been a really useful podcast for me. Thinking maybe maybe this would be an interesting talk to give. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be really interesting. Maybe the, the last couple episodes of the, of the podcast, let's shift from anything technical to just like check in about what our experiences this week and how we're doing. That's right. How are your feelings? How are your feelings this week, Chris? Oh man, I'm tired, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know that already. Yeah. Well, I can pretty much guarantee, you know, with 100% odds that uh, if we're recording a podcast, Chris is going to be tired. Yeah, I don't know why that is. Um, it's not podcast related. I'd be tired if I weren't recording now, too. Yeah. It's what, 8 p.m.? It's getting yeah, pretty it's, late, Chris. You know, you it's better... almost 9. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Right. I guess on that note, thank, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> thank uh, you so much for listening and I'm going to sleep. And thank you for your support and I'm going to sleep. We have three more episodes, right? Uh, yep. 68, 69, and 70. Yeah. And so, uh, we'll, we'll try and come up with some good topics for the rest of those. For sure. One, yeah. On, on the Patreon note, thank you to everyone seriously who's supported us over Patreon over the last, I think we've been doing Patreon for a year and a half now. Yeah, thank you so much. Year, yeah. It like honestly, this podcast would have probably ended without Patreon. Oh yeah, definitely. H- hunting down ads every week was like not something that was going to be possible, but the fact that we could put this Patreon up and have y'all support us really made a very big difference. And so, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. Um, we will pause the Patreon after uh, the 70th episode comes out. Mm-hmm. So I think the last time people will get billed is. Probably June 1 will be the last time you're billed. And then the Patreon will be paused, so you won't get charged, but you'll still have access to that back catalog. So if you want to go back and listen, you can, but you won't be getting charged for it. Uh, And we think that's the most fair thing we can do on on that front. Yeah. Yeah. So again, thank you so much. Really, it means the world to us that you you, helped us make this podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Yeah. Thanks for your help. Yeah. On that note, I'll talk to you next week, Suresh. Sounds good, Chris. Later. Bye.